Ladies, gentlemen, and our non-binary friends, welcome back to another episode of the Cigar Social Podcast. This is episode number nine. Thank you for joining. We appreciate you taking the time. My name is Matt, and due to unforeseen and unfortunate circumstances, I am remote again down in beautiful, beautiful Ottawa, Tennessee, lakeside on Savannah Bay. And my buddy from a different putty, up north of the Mason-Dixon line, the man who puts the eye in team, Ken. How's it hanging, dude? Oh, man, I'm doing okay compared to you. Uh, what's the law? And, uh, yeah, my heart goes out to you, sort of my prayers, and can't wait till you guys get back home here. Um, I'm laid up a little bit. We'll talk about that later. Uh, yeah, just uh, glad we are able to get together again, remote. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, can't wait to get together. Well, I'm excited. I think we have a good pairing today. So let's get the show on the road with a little segment we call Show and Tell. Every episode, we alternate who brings the bottle, who brings the cigars. It's tradition around here to start with the stogie. Last episode, Ken talked about the Ramona Lones by A.J. Fernandez, which was a fantastic smoke. This episode, I picked the stick. Today, we have the Romeo and Julieta 1875. This is a classic smoke from an iconic brand with a blend of Dominican long fillers beneath a caramel-hued Indonesian wrapper. I believe we both had the same Vitola, which is the Magnum 6x60. It's a, it's a Gordo Toro size, pretty fat. Um, I went with a punch cut. Ken, what, what did you go with? I went with it, uh, the tapered, you know, not, not the complete cut end, but more of the tapered one. It doesn't give a full kind of, you know, filter sit down a little bit. Got to ask you, why did you go with the punch? When so did you choose that? I almost never go with a punch. And that's a great yeah. I, I, the only time I go with a punch traditionally is when I have a fatter ring gauge. Uh, it helps, I feel personally, with pulling some of the flavors from the wrapper. Um I, I have done it a couple times. Again, I always go with a straight cut. I almost never go with a punch. But today, I decided to be different. Got goofy with it. Got funky with it. Um, okay. That's but, fine. You can do that. Um, I just torched it. I just lit it. And it's got a phenomenal draw on the cold draw. And it definitely carries over uh, with the first couple of puffs on this thing. Um, balanced. Mild to medium bodied. Um, I think it's probably the same with the strength. I, I, I feel it's more of a mild to medium strength as well. Okay. I uh, I tried mine out and I'm enjoying it. And yes, it's a, it's a nice medium taste. It, once again, when you go ahead and you inhale, nothing harsh, very smooth, uh, nice, nicely ventilated as I call it, because already I'm starting to a little bit burning quite well so looks like this one's tightly wrapped and is wrapped well I said i'm perfectly happy with the, the cut uh do you notice a marked difference with the guys i'm intrigued by the punch i don't know why i'm hung up on it but you know, normally i just stay away from that because i haven't had best experiences with them yeah i i it's like i said the draw is phenomenal so far and this cigar has a 92 rating. The 1875 is officially one of the best Romeo and Julieta cigars uh, from that brand. And I can tell immediately 
uh, from the the construction, uh, the aromas I'm getting immediately um, characterizes the, the just the reputation of the Romeo and Julieta brand. You know, it's just an iconic brand, and you can tell right off the jump that this is going to be a good smoke through all thirds. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm really liking it too. So another, that's a good call. I'm getting um, uh, immediately, and I don't know about you, but I'm getting a hint of um, damn, like like toasted toasted nuts, if that makes sense. Like as you as you suggest it, yes. As you suggest, I mean, I know what you're talking. About. I was there's a flavor that I was trying to put my uh, thought to, and it makes sense with what you're saying for me too. I don't yeah. know if I would have called it toasted nuts, though. I don't. I would have never come. It's like toasted, like, and that's the reason why I went that because, and I'm not, I've, I've, as you know, not big on like elaborate flavor profile, but I got the toasted, like a toasted bread or a toasted type of flavor, and then almost like a cashew peanut toasted, and then I'm, when you put those two thoughts together, you're like, oh, 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 crap. Okay, yeah, no. This is like a like a toasted nut of some sort. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, me thinking out loud. Anyway, back to the back to show and tell here. Uh, I'm getting thirsty. Let's so sure. let's get. Can uh, tell us about what we're sipping today. Okay, staying with the uh, let's, sticking around with the uh, the Tennessee idea since you're still down there. Um, we're going to try some Jack Daniels Triple Mash Blended Straight Whiskey. I've never had it. Uh, went looking for it, and I found it. And I have not taken a sip yet, but I popped it open. It's in my glass. I'm letting it breathe. And most people are pretty familiar with Jack Daniels. Uh, this one is the same one that I'm sure they're aware of. Distillery is, of course, Jack Daniels Distillery. Uh, the release date is May of 2022. It's an ongoing project. And the proof is 100. So... We're at a little bit higher up, talking what, 50% alcohol. And last time we uh, we tasted the Chattanooga, you had the 9111, and the 111, of course, was a little higher octane, and I was pleased with that. So when I saw this uh, proof for this in particular, I was like, okay, I'll bet you we're going to have something similar, more taste. We're going to have distinction from the taste with the alcohol. Uh, at least four years aging based on bottled in the bond regulations and i hope i'm looking at this correctly as far as the specs go we're talking the mash bill because we did say triple mash so you've got a 60 percent jack daniels tennessee rye which is 70 percent rye 18 percent alcohol and 12 or i'm sorry corn and then 12 percent malted barley that sound about right yeah. uh okay and, uh, jack daniels kind of has a little bit of a trademark on, on their, uh, mm -hmm. you know, their mash, their their blends, whatever. They're so yeah, they have like their own little rye, their whiskey, and their malt. Um, what else is in it? You've got twenty percent Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey, but you've got the eighty percent, twelve percent rye, and then the eight percent malted barley. And then we have the next would be twenty percent Jack Daniels American malt. 100% malted barley, uh, which does that make sense with that triple mash? Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of specs on this. It's quite interesting when you look at it. Uh, the different uh, percentages that are there. 
and the fact that you know once again triple which you know so i thought that was quite intriguing too because i don't believe we've ever had anything uh like this so i'm I'm quite interested it does have like a typical color that you expect from the uh, the jack daniels product and another thing since we brought it up last time about price this what was about thirty dollars between thirty to thirty three dollars uh so we found ourselves another bottle that was relatively uh i could say cheap but definitely affordable for most people who get into this so you want to give it a try yeah, I will. Uh, let me put my cigar down, and I'm going to clink my lighter to the glass to give us our, our traditional clinkies. Ready? Mm-hmm. Let me take a sip here. Through the nose, it's... it's, it's wow. It, it... Okay, so immediately, I will say caramel... Hmm. Man, I'm thrown for a loop. And this is why. Because I've had, obviously, old number seven black label, which is old reliable. Um, But all of Jack Daniels products, I've had the Sinatra, their high-end stuff. I've had their their honey, whatever. Everything kind of had that Jack Daniels finish. This is interesting because if I were to give this to you, you would not be able to identify that this is from Jack Daniels. Yeah, that is very interesting you said that. Because I, so for me, and I'm doing the num 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 test on it right now, um, you know, beginning with the nose, it was, uh, what i'm looking for it's like kind of a, a, a this is a, this may sound wrong but i mean it, it's it's not incorrect i mean it's not a detriment to uh, like a damp type of you know like a damp dampish type of smell to it which is not bad i mean it, it's not like, like it's mildewy or anything like that like a, um, like a barrel like a like a bourbon barrel that was just emptied yeah yeah if you could yeah, that's a good way of putting it where you have that it's got a Definitely a, a fuller, you know, a fuller uh, scent to it, you know, as I, you know, run processing it. It's funny when you go ahead and you're, you're putting, you're smelling these things and using other senses, and you're trying to put it to words as you go. It sounds like we're rambling and we kind of are, but it's actually trying to words for what this sense is. So it, it, it's not bad. I mean, that's what it, you know, that's what immediately hits me. Um, I'll tell you what I do taste when i get to the mouth uh or the palate um i'm gonna go with and this is only because i had some whistle pig ten, uh whistle pig 10 yesterday you know just doing more research and i think i taste the rye more in this uh than i think maybe i would have noted other, i mean that's my best guess but i'm thinking it's it has a very good rye taste to it to me. Um, but it's uh, you know, kind of a little spicy. I, I think it's good. I mean, if we're really, if I'm really going to do a deeper dive into it, I think the alcohol is just about right. Uh, and I was, cause my taste buds are starting to deaden, but I did the uh, old little baby sip, excite the sentence sentences rather, and wait for more to come. And it did. And it is pretty good. I'm not 
Not a complaint. No, I mean, oh. I think we talked about this last time. The price point plays a factor in your experience when you're taste when we're tasting new bottles. And for me, a thirty dollar, let's just even round up and say a forty dollar, depending on where you get it from. Uh-huh. 100 proof, bottled in bond, which means it's been aged for four years, probably aged longer than most Jack Daniels products. So they went that route, which I'm I'm excited. And you can tell from the flavor that it's been aged a little longer. Uh, I, I will I will keep this stocked. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'm, I, you know, my socks are still on, right? My mind is not blown. Right, but right. for Jack Daniels product, I'm excited that this is part of their new uh, permanent release. This is not a limited edition. This is not a seasonal product. This is now in their permanent rotation. And yeah, it's a new new bonded series. Yeah, I'm and and they have the other one, which is just called Bonded, which I believe is essentially old number seven, aged for four years, bottled in bond. So it's blend. It's uh, distilled slightly different or aged slightly different. But this one caught my eye. Again, these were what released in May of 2022. So they're a relatively new product. I would highly suggest it, especially if you're you know a bourbon lover on a budget. This is a this is a good go to. Yeah. It, it. The more I drink it, and you know, as you've been talking, not that I wasn't listening to you, but just basically. Wanted to go ahead and take another sip. Of this another round. There are it, there is a sweetness to it as well. Pro, you know, I'm guessing that might be. I know I'm eating here, but the sweetness might be the honey. Uh huh. Because okay. on a honey, malt, and soft oak, and I think that kind of characterizes it pretty well. It's a, it is fruity ish. You know. Yeah, but it is. It's once again. It is. It. I'm happy with it because I. I don't really. I'm not. I've never been a really big fan of the Jack Daniels. You know, the number seven. I. You know, been to a lot of parties, a lot of get-togethers, and people have had it, and that normal people are shooting it, that kind of deal, and not really sitting down and enjoy it. But this clearly is something different than that. So. Yep. Uh, Agree. I think that Jack went from Jack went from having a a shooting whiskey, and right. they decided to make a sipping whiskey. Yeah, and it it's exactly that. So this is a and it does pair pretty well. We've been, like you said, it's our ninth episode, and I don't know if it's by by design or what, but definitely we've had once again pretty fortunate with what we brought to the table here. We've had nothing that really would cause alarm to say, hey, I will never drink this or I'll never smoke. Uh, so once again, we've got lucky number. Here's to you. I'll take yeah. another swig. And another. Well, bringing oh. just, just to that, I'll segue real quick into, um, you know, we've been able to pair some whiskeys and some Japanese whiskeys and scotches. Next episode, we're going to have Steve Newman, who is the owner of one of my favorite local breweries in, in Illinois, Brother Chimp Brewing, um, he's going to be joining us 
live in the Smoke Shed studio. Uh, and he's going to bring a couple of samples and different beers, which is going to be new to uh, the show. We're going to try different beers and kind of see what goes well. We, we may even either smoke the same thing or maybe have everyone smoke something different to see if anybody picks something different out. But I'm excited for that show as well. That is great. And that's perfect for episode number 10. Look at us. Well, yeah, just throw it. We're going to be at 100 before you know it. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh. Anyway, uh, I mean, and I'll be, I want to get back into, you know, it's so funny. Get back in the studio, you know, get back for that real feel. You know, that's how I'm feeling right now. So I look across. I'm excited. See your excited. face. You know, I just miss your face. I know. I get that a lot. Normally, it's me saying that, but I mean, thank you. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait to get back into the face to face. The the sights, the smells. I miss the shed. You know, it's been so it'll be about a month now. Then, huh? Is that about right? longer than that yeah just just about yeah um yeah yeah i mean it's yeah um, well, when you come back you're gonna have some design plans just oh, yeah we'll hire out the contractors to put in the walk-in humidor for the uh addition we'll add on to it i'll let you look at the blueprints i've been scrolling together since you've been gone so or i i i'm haven't been there yet, but down the street from me is a place called Burns Tobaccoist. It is Tennessee's largest humidor. I've heard nothing but good things, obviously, with a humidor that size. Their selection is probably, you know, vast. But um, hopefully I can get in there one of these days and, and check it out. How far down? How far away from you? It's about 20 minutes from me. Okay, that would be a crime if you don't go. You know that, right? What's that? That would be a crime if you don't go. Yeah, no, I have to at least go once and uh, and, and check it out. I've seen billboards. Uh, Got to go. Okay. Hey, so, you know, you mentioned that you were laid up. Um, yeah. What What's going on, man? Okay, so keeping myself busy, a friend of mine... He's a, he's a contractor and he's building a house. He's, there's a way out west of here. There, it's out on some farmland there, and they literally knocked down their house. They raised it to the ground. The fire department came out and burned it down to the foundation. And I think they broke that up for a new foundation. And uh, building it from the ground up there. So I've been helping them out. So I think this is the best thing I can discern what happened. Uh, now we're putting, we finally put, you know, put all the, the floor joists in. We've got all the plywood across and we're building, you know, basically have a floor. And I think somewhere along the line, stepping up, carrying this, trying to go ahead and act like I'm 20 something odd again. I might have pulled, slipped, you know, strain things. That's what we do as, as adults, older adults. And I'm kind of paying for it. I started paying for it Thursday night through Friday and to the point where to late last night and today, I basically, could not walk because I have diagnosed as a hip flexor. Uh, and it really, I'm not kidding. Uh, standing up and walking is, is become quite a chore. Uh, the, the pain is, you know how they do the pain scale? What is it like zero to 10? 
Is that the, like the the happy face chart that they show you? Yeah, and then you get into like the, the smaller numbers, and it's like it looks like an annoyed face, <laughs> uh, you know. Uh, the tears are in the upper, you know, like the seven through eight, nine, ten. I'm in that five to six, just sitting here being pretty. I mean, it's just, just sitting there. So I'm like, there's something desperate. And uh, so, you know, I, I went, I figured, okay, I'm going to go to, to the, uh, the walk and tear Saturday. And, and they basically said, you know, it looks like you have this hip flexor issue. We're talking about stretches and things like that. And, you know, I'm in pain. There's no way in the world they're going to give me something. You know, nowadays they just don't do that. They don't give you the heavy duty. I feel great today. I'm going to jump off of whatever today. Uh, so they gave me like a heavy duty, alleged heavy duty anti-inflammatory. And we'll see how that goes. It's you're supposed to take it over X amount of days and rest and whatnot. But it really is humbling because, you know, it's like to the point where I'm like, do I go upstairs to get that or just wait till someone can get it for me? Which I've never been like, you know, that, that's where I'm at. Like even setting up for today, like, Oh, let's give ourselves some time. Let's go. You know, I, I guess it's a sign of being old. I don't know. Listen, man, but, I wasn't, um, but, what's uh, that? I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to say it, but now that you brought it up, Oh, come on, I, th- I threw some bait in a fishful pond right here. Come on, that was too easy. As my, my pops would say, it's a, it's a sign of old age. I just call it being seasoned. It's just me being that overachiever. You know? Maybe. maybe. You know, there's no shame in stretching, and maybe I should do more of that and stick to the Tai Chi plan I put together for myself. Well, was it in, uh, in Zombie Land when... The, the guy was, they were about to walk down the hill to get to the hostess truck and Woody Hellerson was about to go down there and the kid was starting to stretch and Woody looks at him and goes, hey man, did you ever see a lion bef- stretch before it like lunges against a, and, and tries to get a gazelle? Mm-hmm. No. Well, you know, I think that's the thing is, you know, do, you, do you stretch before you do things now at an older age or does it even help? Um but, well, okay, and that's it's kind of a that's a misnomer. We don't know what the lion's doing, but it's often and then they make the attack. I mean, that's the only. I mean, through the you know through the help of TV, so who knows what the lion's doing? It's true. The lion might be doing some of those you know those downward dog or the upward cat. I don't know. I'm not going to paint with a broad brush. So you just don't know. You know yeah. What I mean? Yeah. Exactly. So anyway, so anyway, uh, go. What's on your mind? Oh, okay. So since I've had a little bit of time lately, um, yeah, okay. I got. Have you ever seen that show? You've heard of it. I don't know if you've watched it. Remember last week I was talking about a little bit at the end there. I was talking about the kid, and I started watching Naked and Afraid. Now I know that show's been around for like seasons. Have you ever actually sat down and watched one of those? Yeah, uh, episodes. Since the last okay. time, I haven't had a lot of TV time, but uh, I, I'm it's on my to do list for sure. Okay, um, and also as far as TV, an offshoot. I was also watching the uh, the Theodore Roosevelt, the Teddy Roosevelt uh, thing they had on History Channel. Oh, it was superb. I thought it was fantastic, but I'm not going to go into that. If you do yourself a favor and watch that, let me get back to the Naked and Afraid. 
I sit there and I watch this and I've watched many episodes and in the beginning episodes there, if you really look at it, they don't, they don't really give them much. Okay. They give them like a, a knapsack and they get to bring one thing that they want. One person knife, another person brings a fire starter pretty much. And I think as the show has progressed, I've been finding out that you really need something like to put things in like a pot. So they, I, they let them take a pot with them too for water, of course, because that's been an incredible issue. And very early on too, the people that they've had have been like, uh, like self civilist types. Uh, they go through the score, they go through these challenges and whatnot, and not challenges rather, but rather they get through this, this grading method if they're going to be on. And then they got something else attached to them. Like they're a, a full-time novelist or one I was watching. She, I don't know what, what relevance that was. Uh, and then there was another guy who's like, a, I don't know, he, he makes surfboards. Oh, and there they go. So term of, I mean, maybe they're like a little different from the Joes and Joannes that we know. You know, I, I don't know. Uh, fundamental mistakes that seem to get made probably definitely every third one i'd say one out of three they make these mistakes right off the bat and i have to be hypercritical and i know it's very easy for me to armchair so uh you know i wanted to get in that no just a note i said if i was going to do this and the first thing i would do is like when we get to our spot is build that fire build that fire as big as i possibly can i have all the calories i have right now and if i have to work on my shelter i can work it Fire's big enough, and I still have all my energy. Would you agree with that? I would. I would definitely agree to that. And mine, change it up, is let's say it's rainy. So you say, hey, we better build our shelter first so we can, like, cover over the fire. Get that. But I think all the things you got to do right off the bat, expect not to eat for at least the first three days. Just say, hey, we're not eating first three days. Everything is going to be built like that. If we get something along the way, great. Because nothing, they can't hang on to it. They can't refrigerate it, Right. So setting, setting up camp and uh-huh. collecting firewood, things of that nature, I feel might trump and be priority as soon as I get out there. Like you said, you have nutrition inside of you. You have energy. You can go out there and hit the ground running, do all of that collection, do all of that building. And then, yeah, like you said, if you can collect some food along the way, great. But save that, save that energy for for actually collecting the wood and, and building and setting up camp. I think I I completely agree. Well, not to mention water. I mean, clearly water is. And I, how many I've watched them? They they've been drinking. They get to the point where they're so thirsty they don't give a damn. They just like drink the water without you know filtering it, you know heating it up, and see it. You know, it's basically they, they roll the dice. Like, oh, this looks fresh water. It's been sitting here maybe from the rain from last night. So they'll try it. But they're so overwhelmed with, like, thirst that they're like, oh, let's do it. And next you know, the medical team's coming in because they caught malaria. And so it's it's very – but I want to. I didn't want to spend the whole time with that. I just want to – I've been looking at that, like I said, a little bit. So I've been watching those, and I'm like, wow, that's kind of interesting. But And it's – I'm not in the middle of the Amazon right now. So I can't, I mean, I'm sure my outlook would be a little bit different. 
than being in an air conditioned room like I am right now with a fan blowing my smoke out my cigar, you know, out the window. So how is your cigar doing and how is your liquor is it need to be tapped or topped off right now? Uh, I'm almost ready for a top off. My cigar, I was just thinking about this. Yeah. The, the draw went from being free flowing, nice and full to I feel at this point, I, I'm in my second third and it's getting tighter, more yeah. of a, not, not a struggle, but definitely having to draw harder to get the smoke output that I prefer, that I desire. And um, still burning. What are you going to do? Burning even. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to power through it for a couple more pulls see if it clears up or maybe even set it down top off and maybe let it rest but if it doesn't improve the last third uh, i might uh try to use the punch to clear it out i don't have a draw tool with me um Uh using the punch to kind of maybe clear out whatever is clogging my 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 passageway here Uh, it doesn't work i might go with a straight cut and just chop the chop the cap and see if that helps Okay, that's what I was going to go with with as a suggestion. But uh, so far, real good. Not even like so far, so good. I'm going to go real good with mine. I think it ashed probably about an inch and a quarter is when the ash fell off. Uh, no complaints, free-flowing, very tasty. Um, I think we were talking about this, but and correct me if I'm wrong, if you didn't hear this, if you were misinformationed. Um, a lot of the cigar aficionados, they will smoke it down to the first third, if that. You know, they don't take it away, and they're pretty much done with the cigar. Because uh, when you start getting deeper into it, like we, we'll take it down, like you said, here. Um, for those discerning tastes, you're going to get more of a, a concentration of the tar, more of the burning, the burning taste to it, more of the flame taste. And I was concerned with that with yours, because in Historically, for me, whenever I've used the punch, it's been more of a concentration of that that tar taste. So that's why I guess I've avoided, you know. So it's interesting as we as we do this now, what you're finding as far as an issue you have. But the taste has created much from since then, since it started stopping with a free flow. Uh, no, the the taste of the that toast, the toasted peanut is there. I would say right now. Um, I just, so my, my father-in-law has a, a, like a standalone Zycar punch. looks like a bullet. Uh, used that initially. And that's what I did the first punch with just now. He also has this swanky little lightsaber looking lighter, like kind of like you have. Where did, you say sh- did you say swanky? Swanky. Yeah. You don't use swanky? Okay, my my. No, no, I just I wanted to make sure that the reception was still good. Yeah, no, I, I feel First like it sounded like it's, it's swanky. Is that is? I thought that meant a combination of a Twinkie and something. No, it's more like the thing bougie. You know what I mean? Anyway, my lighter is when. So, uh, but this this swanky lighter has a fold out punch on the bottom so i mm-hmm. used i just kind of poked it into my pre-existing hole you know a secondary penetration if you would 
and kind of moved it around, you know, and, and pulled it back out. And my draw has improved since then. So I don't know if it is okay. a difference between the penetration of each punch. Man, this is getting dirty. But yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> finish, finish, and I got a follow up comment after you're done with your premise. Please, yeah, hold the question. Hold you, yeah. Uh, no, but the the draw is is much cleaner, uh, and I'm getting a more of a full uh, output of smoke, uh, which is what I desire. Okay. I'm I'm right. like you said. I'm I'm exciting my. What did you say? Exciting my uh, senses. Exciting my senses, yes. And yes. I normally do that with the with the with the, the brown liquor, but I suppose you could do that with the uh, the stick as mm. well. You know, I, I love it when a, a good stick heightens my, uh, you know, stimulates my senses. Anyway, wow, uh-huh. this went yeah. left real quick. Well, uh, it, you know, if we did actually put some qualitative software to look for themes on our podcast and we were, co- we're coding it, let's say, and we're looking for things that basically, I don't know, suggestive is the word you use, maybe innuendo. I, I don't know how we'd code it. Uh, I would have ama- I would love to see what the output would be because my wife has brought attention to it. She's, you know, she's listened to a series of our podcasts, loyal listener. So now we do have three total. Um, and, she made a comment that she goes, you know, a lot of things you guys are, I don't know if intended or not, but suggestive and innuendo-ish, if you will. Uh, I do believe there is some percentage of that. We get it because we like to, you know, goof around. But, yeah, when you really do listen to it, you're like, wow, masses might take that wrong. Let's yeah. That. I mean, folks, folks, we're just having fun here. And that's yeah. what predicated <laughs> on trying to have a good time uh yeah. but I, anyway and uh if, you know? if we, make, we make you giggle along the way we did our job we did do our job our job was to go ahead and, and have fun and enjoy what we're doing oh i did want to bring something up to you i was actually uh at a bar surprise surprise and remember what? i sent you the picture uh, the uh the rabbit hole that one for that that particular whiskey yes okay so i went to the establishment that i went to in this particular case and they just got it. i just saw it i saw the cellophane around the top there and i started talking gal uh and i said hey i see your selection there what is that's a new addition that you know a couple of weeks ago do you want to explain that they had a promo out there and they had some kind of tasting and they had some of the distributors etc cetera, etc cetera. and they decided to start carrying rabbit hole uh, and I said, well, I said, well, you know, let me try it. We're not going to feature it. Cause I think you said you had it already. Uh, so let me go ahead and do a little research. And I'm talking to the bar, the bartender. And there's a guy who's probably a couple seats, um, next to me and he's listening in. And then he started, you know, how we talk and he made the mistake. So, you know, seems like, you know, a lot about whiskeys and I'm like, wow, no, uh, but thank you. Uh, but then we went on and on and me and this guy, and he's, he's a lot, are, this is exactly what we're looking for. We're talking, I'm talking with a guy who's just like me and you 
in the sense of getting brought up some great comments. It's like, you know, we never really, me and the family or the wife really never got into COVID. We decided we had time and he started to dive in to the different types of brown liquors or out there. He said whiskeys, but he's tried all types. And they started getting into uh, the differences, the taste, you know, everything that me and you talk about. And it really resonates with my belief, what we've been doing and why we've been doing this. And it kind of warmed the heart a little bit because I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm excited. This is why we do this because we're just like you, we're getting into this and we're being educated on it and far from experts. But you get to, it was nice to see that you got people out there in the masses who are like, okay, I want to try this. Let's go. Of course, I told them about our podcast. We're kind of a user-friendly, easy to listen to, uh, probably arm you with enough knowledge to be dangerous. Would you agree with that? And that, so. I, I think, obviously, COVID was something that had struck the entire world. Um, but it had given people the opportunity to try different things, uh, start new hobbies, maybe explore things a little differently than they normally would. Um, and especially the cigar world. And the whiskey world, I feel, definitely went uh, elevated slightly higher uh, post-COVID because folks had a chance to sit at home, enjoy a cigar, you know, didn't, and, and maybe try some whiskeys or, you know, uh, get their, their home bar or their bar cart or however they store their liquors uh, and, and try different things. and Or they built a bar, you know, that time. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that that's right with with a regular regular Joe and Joanne or Bobby and Bobby Joe or you know however we or Mr X yes Mr and Mrs uh, you know them they and her and she and all of the folks whoever had a chance to to explore and and like you said research you know last night I, I researched. Uh, the Churchill size of uh, Vitola of of this cigar. And I, man, I'm gonna say the I I am not a, a huge fan of big ring gauge cigars. Once in a while, they're fun, but the Churchill size of of this specific cigar definitely was it, it was a longer smoke. I mean, shoot, it took me about an hour and a half, almost two hours, because we were outside, we were BSing, enjoying the weather. But uh, it, I enjoyed that one a little bit more than this, what what Romeo and Julieta called the Magnum, which is the 6x60. Six I think the Churchill was a 7x50? Yes, 7x50-ish. Okay. It was a slightly smaller ring gauge, definitely a longer stick, uh, and uh, had, to me, a more of a consistent. And I did that one. Oh, you know what? I did that one with a straight cut yesterday. So, that I know makes sense. Yeah. And by the way, to note the Magnum, I couldn't. Tell, how many different products? Magnum, you know the Magnum well, series. Here, here's the thing: is that I what I've noticed in the cigar world. Uh, 
most companies go with the normal namesake, you know, the Corona, uh, the Toro, the Robusto, the Churchill, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Some companies try to unique their brand by calling them goofy names. Um, I saw a couple of them call the a larger ring gauge a, a behemoth. Um, okay. Uh, man, I can't. I, off the top of my head, I, I they're they're out there. And if you're the mastodon, you know that like uh, especially like the Tatuaje monster series and things like that nature. They they their vitolos are named untraditionally. And uh, okay. So with that said. This would traditionally be called a Toro Gordo because it is oh. a Toro size. Usually a Toro is a six by 50, but as soon as you boost that, that ring gauge up to a 60, you know, you get that Gordo, the fat. It's a fatter ring gauge. Um, but uh. Romeo and Julieta decided to call it the Magnum, which is, it's you know, it's fitting because the thing's a monster. Um, not as big as like some of the pandemonium asylums where they're, you know, seven, be, seven by 70 or, you know, 90 ring gauge, you know, donkey parts. Hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think 60 would probably be the, the biggest range that I would ever go with. Anything bigger than that, I, I can't find that enjoyable. See, for me, Magnum. I immediately go to Zoolander. Okay? And everything else has to compare to that. Remember, you know, our protagonist, Zoolander, he had, he could not, what is it, I believe, turn left. I mean, he was known for the blue steel, but the minute he could turn left was that moment where he made it. He made Magnum. Uh, and I think everything else in my life needs to be compared to from Magnum, very fight air. So, yeah, I mean that's that's that's. I mean, through my carnival horrors called my brain. So, and I mean, if you want to go with the provocative innuendos, I mean, think of <laughs> right. Anyway, no, that no. was not my intent. That was not my intent. Uh-huh. <laughs> you topped off. I, I did. I did. And I'm Ooh. sorry I didn't you you were we were talking and I just topped off and you know, sometimes we top off alone, sometimes we top off together. Again, another window. It is this... like iron filings to a magnet. Oh. Um the other day, man, I got into a conversation. I got ganged up upon. I wish you were there up um because this is more your in my opinion of your expertise we got into a conversation in a cool world uh and i know i'm going to say this wrong it's just for you to correct me what is it is it n ntbs is that or ntfs something like that yeah, that is definitely not my world. I have no idea, but I do know what N what was it NTFs. N yeah, NFT. it, it, that's it. NFTs. Man, we're NFTs. so old. 
Well, it's just like old. I mean, it's for me, it's kind of weird. I don't know if it is because I'm old, but I hear something like, oh, I'll hear it again and correct me the next six, seven times, and then I'll finally get it. Something of interest to me is actually heard me talk. Like, okay, that's what Ken's plugged into. I'm very with. But so we got into, just to go ahead and like uh, chew it up and spit this out. We were, he, my buddy was telling me he has, you know, like, for example, he had like a rookie uh, Mike Schmidt baseball card. And he has the card, the original in his hand, you know, of the X amount that were made. He happens to have one of them. Wow. How, yeah, how you could turn that into the virtual, the, the, the virtual aspect of it, the vir- virtual concept of it. And, you know, they're in, essentially that ability is there. And I'm thinking to myself, my case, like, well, I would imagine you would have to have a uh, like the gold standard, you know, like we used to when you had to have gold to back up the paper, right? So if anybody challenged you in the virtual concept of this, like, well, here, I've got the original. Here it sits. And then they're getting deeper into, well, don't worry. No, the virtual world, original signature, original copy. And, uh, you know, they were just so clear that this is it. This is the, you know, this is granite as far as how cemented and how rock hard it is, as far as, yeah, you should accept this concept as the one. And me, I'm like, everything in this world is counterfeitable, especially I would believe the virtual. Uh, and they went on to explain to me why it wouldn't be. But then an interesting thing had popped up. Let's say you came across something that, like, let's say you got a picture of, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, Albert Einstein, arm in arm with uh, the president of the time, whatever president, you know, in in a certain time during the time we had chaos, you know, which is probably every decade, but let's just say that it's never been seen before found because it was in a trunk of your great grandma's. You're going through it and here it is. And now you have this original and then we're talking about here it is. And now we're going to go project it into the virtual world. I'm like, well, there's no other way to verify it unless you originally have that copy. Would you agree? I'm sure we're going to people say otherwise. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And and I think this might be a generational conversation or a generational debate. Um, NFTs, cryptocurrency, things of that nature. Yeah, now you're talking, which this is... Pre-existing this... Uh, We've been doctor doctrined into th- believing within a currency world or within something along those lines. You need something to back that currency. Mean old, uh, we print out dollar bills because we don't have the the money uh, invested to say we have that amount of money as a country. We need to be able to produce the same amount of money or have that in circulation in which we have in our hands somewhere in Fort Knox or whatnot. And I think, uh, like you said, that Mike Schmidt rookie card, I have uh, two full uh, baseball, like full sets of baseball cards from when I was younger. I have a 91 top set and a 92 top set. The 91 tops set, uh, I believe has the Derek Jeter rookie card sitting inside it. Now, if you just x-ray it, What's that? 
Did you x-ray it so you know it's in there? Well, no. I mean, it, it, he was That's top idea. It was the year of his rookie. You know, I mean, it wouldn't be a full set without it, I feel. Oh, yes. Yes. And 92, I think, has like a Manny Ramirez. and some, But, I mean, just to get on conversational sake, the, the Derek Jeter is, you know, I mean, I'm not a big Yankee fan. That dude is Golden Glove winner, Hall of Famer, probably the biggest baseball star of the 90s. And so it's the same concept. If I were to take whatever technology that dude is using for the Mike Schmidt card, turn it into some type of NFT or whatnot, sell it for, you know, a, a chunk of change, I I have that card as a receipt to say there's a physical copy I mean, I don't know how any of that works. See, this I'm glad you brought that up because this has also got into some different spots. It got into basically a bunch of a bunch of branches off this river. So my friend even said I could he said, you know, I'm talking third person, he goes, I could destroy the rookie card and the virtual ones intact as far as value. You see that you see, that's where I basically have that puzzled look on my face. Yeah. And because they're also talking about you know, I could put together this, let's say I've got this card, this virtual reality card, and I create this virtual reality card collection type of, let's say we have it. Let's say we have a multitude of cards. I can charge people to look at it, right? I mean, that kind of deal. I can monetize it in that way. I don't necessarily have to sell it, but I can create a monetary stream by people to simply look. There it is. And, you know, you can, you know, look at it, you know, you can spin it around, take a look at it, whatever it may be, and, you know, have all aspects of it for those people who are intrigued by that kind of thing. But I mean, or, isn't that famous, right? Like <laughs> multiple people pay dollar amount to enter for admission to a, a facility in which they have artifacts like a Honus Wagner card or Harry Carey's glasses or microphone, and they're monetized, a- essentially, these these pieces of history, these artifacts for multiple, you know, viewings. That's, that's exactly what my brother said, a museum. Yep. Uh, now, when I go to a museum, I can, right? I'm okay with that. What'd if you, you what? Take a picture, take my phone, take a picture of the stuff that's there. Oh, absolutely. I have pictures of all inside of Cooperstown, which is the Baseball Hall of Fame. I have a picture of the Honus Wagner card. But let's say this. Let's say I have this virtual whatever in my household. There it is. It's being viewed. And somebody takes a picture of that, a digital to digital. Is there an issue with counting? So now see him and take a picture of whatever. We did use the, we did actually use the uh, example of uh, you know, they, like I said, it got it got really into the wee hours of the night. You know, wee hours. Well, but this is where these conversations were going with the way the virtual reality. Uh, I guess what you'd have to say is the different things that are connected to it, and what you have to control for. I imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I don't, I don't understand how any of it works. Uh, maybe that's a conversation. Well, you were the wrong guy for the job. I thought you were it because I said if my friend Matt was here, 
He would give you guys a version of his understanding of what you guys are saying. I'm an IT guy by trade. I can connect you fiber optically, Ethernet. I can program switches. I can provide you with a a VLAN through managed switches. I can set you up with a, you know. Slow uh, down. I'm I'm writing this down. Slow down for the next time from this pit fighting event. Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm an old school nerd, maybe. I'm not okay. a new I don't <laughs> Did you play Dungeons and Dragons? I actually did with, not. With the 20-sided die. Okay. This no. is where my street street cred comes in. I have. I I had played back in the day old school original Magic the Gathering. Oh boy. But lasted for probably too. like a year, maybe. And uh, and that was done. I, I so like break so like break dancing. Yes, yes, like laying the cardboard neatly in front of the convenience store, grabbing your boombox that you can barely lift. You got a boombox. It it's heavy as hell, and then you know, yes, spinning on my head again. That only lasted about a year. About a year. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, so now, okay, now I'm getting the, the picture here. Okay, no, I, this is me. The old, I never had, I don't think I, I, I wasn't, I was more of a, the role player. I wasn't the dungeon master. Dungeon master, it wouldn't have been fun for me. I, I needed to, you know what I mean? I wanted to get dirty in the dungeons and, you, you know, whatever. Dungeons. I, I've, I've heard those rumors. Right, I, I'll, here we go. I'll go deep into the, <laughs> That's what. Here we go. Get away from me. Oh, all right. I'm gonna put a little bit more on the bottom of this glass. And how's your cigar? It's good. Uh, I just uh, I, if you're with your cigar is like mine. With you have two labels. Am I right? Yeah. One yeah. is 1875 label, and the other one is the Romeo Julieta 1870, like oh. the, the the namesake logo. So I took that first band off just because I was getting near it and the glue was coming undone. And I figured, hey, let's take it off because that's what you do. As uh-huh. you have, you know, remembered from a previous episode, there's no reason to take your bands off before you light it. Wait till you get close to it. The, the heat from the cigar will actually undo the adhesive for you and you can peel it off gently without messing up the wrapper leaf and are which and i think our and i think our regulars are saying of course matt we've been listening to you now it's become a routine we don't know right right so my i actually did take that off i'm off that right now hey i got a uh a dude donor myth okay so you should that the myth is Mm. and i've heard this actually like personally you should store your cigars in a refrigerator. That's okay. 100% absolutely not true at all. That's a myth. Don't do it. Uh, this does not require deep understanding of climate change and control. It is utter, utterly false. Um, unless you want to smoke really, really dry cigars that crack or like you brought to our attention, you get like those runners and... Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Burn issues. Cigars require humidity to stay fresh. Cold air, dry air does not produce that uh, within a refrigerator, obviously. You want the 70-70 rule. 
70 percent humidity 70 per uh 70 degrees is like your ideal target um but if you throw them in a refrigerator they will make your car cigars cold and dry myth busted don't do it what here i am what if i put my refrigerator if it can be done at 70 degrees I would say your temperature is probably going to be okay, but but you still need the humidifier aspect of it. Understand? Yeah, you need to make sure that the humidity within inside your 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 refrigerator, which is then dialed down, is also producing the proper humidity to keep them from drying out. Okay. Yes, that entirely. Basically, we just talked about creating a turning a refrigerator into a humidifier essentially because nothing at 70 degrees i don't think much else would keep in there right you know what though no, I mean, food wouldn't make it. It, 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 it it it's possible i mean think about a, a cooler door right you which i yeah you have a cooler door which is yes. a, a con, like some folks would convert like an old um wine chiller refrigerator style-esque uh storage unit to turn into a cooler door you can buy them separately as our cooler doors instead of a humidor which keeps your cigars at a certain temperature but then you still need to incorporate the moisture into it um to keep them moist and indeed indeed that would be something that you need to keep your eye on um obviously well a dark dark location um, just like wine and a wine cellar, you want to keep them cool. You want to keep them dark. You want to keep them at a certain humidity. You're spot on with that. And it's what I learned with my particular uh, setup. It create a routine. You know, it kind of deviates a little bit between about my temperatures. It's 69. It doesn't really go past 70. Uh, my humidity has been pretty interesting. It's really, uh, you can modify it. Now, the way you've got inside there, it's kind of, the, it's got the polymer encasement, but the slots that are in there hold shelves that are spare. And I got it to the point where I could, you know, I check it every day. And if you have the humidity just right, they give you a little, uh, kind of like a, almost like a little plastic, rectangular water holder and you cut out, you put a sponge in there and that's what you do. And you put the, either you put the distilled water or the uh, humidifier solution that you can get any, you know, got a couple, you know, different minerals that are in it to help it along. But when you get it right and you're watching it and I watch it between 70 and 71, I got it to that point. And I know how many I have to put, I'll, I'll open the thing up. I'll put, a couple drops on it and it's going to be good. And we're going to, we, you know, I've got to 12 to 15 days running where it's been at the 69, 70, you know, maybe 71, uh, briefly using that technique. It's been every three days, I think is where I've had to add drops just to keep it right. And that cooling, that, that air that comes through, obviously the, the cedar, and so it takes a little time to, to basically fine tune it. So it's worked out. That's I can't, I have no complaints. You have to make sure that you season your 
your humidor. <laughs> correct, correct. Long before, long before. Yeah. But uh, example, like for for me, I seasoned my humidor. I have an old fashioned wooden. Wo I have a woody, and okay. um, man. <sighs> so I keep my woody uh, moist with uh, the Bovida packs. Okay. I'll throw a couple of Bovida packs in there. And if I start to see it going down, um, and if it's something that is uncontrollable, I know sometimes in the the winter time, it's getting a little drier, your house is a little warmer. So I'll throw a wet paper towel with some distilled water, you know, saturated with some distilled water at the bottom of it, just to kind of, mm. you know, kickstart it a little bit. And the Bovida packs will react appropriately with capturing some of that moisture and and you know providing the humidity that that your cigars need but um it, it's everyone has their own ways of doing things and there's more than one ways to skin a cat or however um i think a, a coolador is is really a, a, a great product and idea um it is i was shocked how, how well I, I would like it and if you live in locations or if you you have a warmer climate, something along those lines, or like you said, you keep yours. Yours is at the bar downstairs in a basement where, mm -hmm. you know, maybe it's not as air conditioned cool as like the living room would be. My humidor, I don't have a lot of room in my house, so I keep my humidor uh, on my, my bedside table. Which is, because when you when you have a bad dream, you're like, okay, you pop up and look at it. I look over and I I'm I'm just I I smile when I see right. my humidor. When it starts to get empty, my nightmare continues. But is that uh, what happens when you like pop up? You're like, oh my god, is the humidity right? I'm like, yeah, like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I have an app for that. I have a little digital Bluetooth sensor on my phone, so I can keep an eye on my humidity and temperature. You can buy it on Amazon, whatever. But um. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Uh, I took a trip. Go. What are your last your thoughts of your last third? I'm I'm nearing my second label here, and yeah. I'll ask you first. Would you okay. smoke this again? Uh, it would be a definite affirmative. It is a very good cigar. It's well crafted, flavor. Uh, even you know, even past that. We we're talking about the aficionados where they stop where they're at. I'd like to smoke this all the way down, you know, so I couldn't hold it anymore. Um, yes, this was a very good pick. And as I go it over my head, I it's very similar to some of the great ones that we've had so far. So this has been really weird in these nine episodes. You know, we've had a couple exceptions. Wow, this is off, you know, off the charts. But once again, another good cigar that anybody who is into cigars would enjoy. Absolutely. Be in my humidor, for sure. I would agree. I would think that the uh, Romeo and Juliet, uh, and someone say, some would say uh, Romeo and Juliet. Uh, I, I go with the, the, the Juliet. Um, mm. Smoke it again. Uh, it has a good, and both the Churchill and the Magnum, had the same aroma, uh, same clean white ash. Uh, and I think even the, the, the flavor profiles slightly 
were con- they were consistent between the two sizes. Um, started off with with that toasted nut, uh, burned into the second third with a little more pepper. Um, finishing, I mean, I, I'm on my last third right now. Don't know about you, but I, I'm getting more of a, a woody. <laughs> Uh, again again yes yes this is my second what, episode. what's in the water down there uh lake water it's actually lake water okay right. um and but a little bottle that sell it a hint of leather too Weirdest see now thing. you've had see you've had that where i uh, you've said that before about others and i don't know if it was with the drink or the smoke i, I i've heard i've been looking for that searching for that leather now I know a leather smell you're talking about, right? Is no, that no. what you're saying? Take your 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 wallet or your couch or your chaps, whatever you I'll have. Because I you piece of leather, you know, I don't know, when you're like gaming or something. I don't know. Something intense. And I ask. Do this and it, it's again another take a piece of leather uh-huh. and lick it. Just don't get crazy with it. Don't get, you know, but that'll give you that like, oh, okay. I smell leather. We all know what leather smells like. And I'm not going to say I go around and I start just licking leather. That's just weird. But to get your, to, your palate. To say, to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Different flavors. And I've, I've heard the word leather go around once or twice with cigars and whiskey and Hey man, it, behind closed doors in a closet uh or even out in the open in the middle of like the the flea market take a piece of leather mm. and give it a lick and you're well, gonna be like, oh, that's what that's what leather tastes like well i would say at the flea market you better purchase it for first but but if you more than once you're just weird is what i'm saying anyway rate, let's get <laughs> let's get to the ratings um what sure. would you rate the smoke and drink okay i'm gonna go with the smoke I'm, it's gonna be a little bit of a disparity for the pairing uh definitely the smoke is a 7.7 and i'm gonna go with the uh our selection this week 7.1 okay Sir, I would go. I will match you with okay. 7.7, I think, is a perfect definition rating of what this experience has been. Now, if you were to ask me last night with the Churchill, I might have given you a, a point or two higher. I might have said 7.8, 7.9, probably not into the eights, but definitely high no. seven. For both i would say 7.7 for this particular size this this vitolo um drink this jack daniels triple mash i would say 7.4 wow okay no okay. i think we're in ballpark here i think yeah we, for sure uh thoughts about it the fantastic from from Jack Daniels, or did you know his original name was Jasper? So it's actually Jasper Daniel. More you know. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean, it's kind of interesting for me. What definitely is, whereas 
I kind of had a Jack Daniels and, you know, I didn't really go in there thinking that was going to hint more with this particular flavor, but you don't know how biases work. You really, I mean, you have self biases, you that are out there that you know overtly, but there's other ones that are subtle. You don't know. And I was thinking, does that going to play into it? I don't think it did because I think the score is pretty fair. Would I drink it again? Yes. Would I buy it? Yeah. Would I put it on my shelf? Absolutely. And of course, to somebody who um, was getting into it for sure. And of course, the price. I uh, can't argue with any of that. I was going to say that my judgment was solely on taste. Um, now, if you were to tell me, judge these within price ranges. Man, for a $30 bottle, this thing's phenomenal. For a $30, if you were to go to a party or go to a friend's house and you brought a bottle of Jack Daniels Triple Mash, they're going to be like, oh, wow, you brought a bottle of Jack. Thanks for spending the extra coin. Listen, man, try it. It is not Mm. your typical Jack Daniels. It is tasteful. It is full. It is um, something I would keep I said it, it I, I'm I'm impressed. I am I mean again I partial to Tennessee whiskey, Ken, Kentucky whiskey and, and whatever, but Tennessee whiskey for me is people are gonna hate. I like Tennessee whiskey. The more I try different distilleries around here, the more I'm enjoying Tennessee whiskey more than Kentucky. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that was. There goes another list. But no, uh, seriously, the, the, this is impressive from the Jack Daniels distillery. Um, so we got our ratings. We got our thoughts. Hey, I got a, a, a quote for you before we get to saying goodbye. Um, uh-huh. This quote is from Winston Churchill. Okay, I'm in. Smoking cigars is like falling in love. First, you are attracted to its shape. You stay for its flavor. And you must always remember, never, never let the flame go out. Winston Churchill. I don't know. I thought it was a good quote. It is a very good quote. He's got a million of them. And that is an excellent quote in comparison to a cigar. And I thought I was going to hear, like, it's like a good woman or something like that. What was that? One of those where a cigar, that, or maybe it was some other guy, that basically put it in a misogynist tone. I'm like, that's not what we want. Um, that, yeah. But Winston Churchill, no, that's that's a perfect way to put it. It's appropriate, you know. Other people are like, what are you talking about? Love and a cigar? What's wrong with you? That's, that's not what we're saying. Uh, but no, I, everybody can say that you could fall in love with something, but if you do have a good cigar, it, the appeals to the senses and the memories that come with it are probably more important. You know, the emotions, I guess, that are attached to it. When you have a good cigar, it's almost, and there's times where I'm, I get down to the band and I'm like, all right, I'll quit it. And then there's times where you get down, your finger burning. You can barely hold on to it. 
you almost don't want to quit it. Mm. That is the definition of a, a fantastic cigar is when you're down to literally burning your fingertips, trying to in, continue to enjoy it. And, uh, you know, maybe that's what Winston Churchill meant by never let the flame go out. He probably did. Uh, for me, if we're talking about that, if I have a great cigar, put it down, I know I'm done with it. And I know when I put it down, I don't, I just let it sit, let it burn out naturally. The flame was going. And I, and I have to tell myself, don't look back, keep going. And when I tell myself that, don't look back at that ashtray with the cigar still smoldering in it. That tells you, you need to walk away from this because don't look back because just leave the feelings where they are. Other times I just look back, hey, is that thing going or whatever it is? Hope it's not catching something else. But if it's a good cigar like that, I'm like, don't look back, Ken. You had your experience on to add to that. Go before you know, to add to that, it's it adds to the consistency and the the changes that you will experience throughout a, a good cigar, right? The first when you first light it up. And by the time, by the time you toss it in the ashtray, or as you mentioned, an ash pot at one minute, mm-hmm. um, yeah. that cigar has changed. It is not the same cigar you lit. It is a different. It, some are somewhat consistent, but for the the masses, it it has evolved. It is something different, but it's still something you enjoy and love per se. Uh, in a metaphorical uh, aspect, and I'm 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 with that. Like it, it is, it makes sense to me to think of something along those lines where, you know, just enjoy it for the ride and put it out when you're done. It's, you know, hold on to it as long as you can. Anyway, man, we're getting off topic. See, no, when you talk like this, it makes me think. You know, scrap the biographer. We don't need the biographer standing. I'd rather have the poet. The poet should be here standing in, taking down everything, and then turning that into something immortal. You're right. We did get way off topic. What is it? And hey. this is Jack Daniels at its, at its finest. What does he do to you? Uh, as we take the bands off and burn through this, the last third, it means the cigar is down to a nub. It is. Folks, remember to subscribe. Wherever platform you're listening to, Apple, Spotify, Google, Audible, wherever, we're, we're available everywhere. Subscribe it so you never miss an episode. Uh, like I mentioned, speaking of our next episode, June 25th, we'll have a special guest in the Smoke Shed studio. One of my favorite breweries from Brother Chimp, uh, Steve Newman, will be joining us. We'll be sipping different beers, talking about Brother Chimp. Pairing it out with some some good cigars, uh, man, I can't I can't wait. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. And of course, it's our number ten episode, landmark, right? Yep, yep. Okay. And then uh, we have another guest coming after that, real quick. Uh, not to get too far, but the the Koval Distillery will be joining us uh, in July. So, man, we got back to back heavy hitter uh, uh, special guests. We're we're gonna be. Uh, experiencing some different flavors and some different pairings. I can't wait.
But not to not to mention, we're going to find ourselves this summer a couple of times in certain areas as well. We won't let that out just to our listeners. Ooh, secret secret rendezvous for our listeners. That's right. That's right. Maybe well, they can show up. Until the next time, we put smoke in the air, folks. Be safe. Be smoky. And be classy. We'll see you next time here at the Cigar Social. All right, friends. Thanks for listening. Always remember, keep it lit and always have your glass full. We'll see you next time. See you. Bye.